Thank you. Wow. Thank you. You guys are very kind. I'll tell you what. Here's what you need to know. I've known Landon and Emily for a long time. And you know what's amazing? And I love them. You know what I mean? You know how you have some people that you're like, yeah, I've known them a long time. There's other people you go, I've known them a long time, and I still love them. That's important. And I do love these guys. And it's such a beautiful thing to see. Hey, y'all. Good to see you guys as well. I love seeing old people. Not old. Sorry. Old school, older school, and new school all together. I love that. Uh, as Landon said, your pastor, I'm so honored to be here. And I adore the two of them and the future of them, Adelaide. Yes. It's amazing. And uh, please, y'all just need to blow him up next next weekend, his first Father's Day. And just blow him up. Make him feel like he's all that, okay? He's all that. And then he gets to then he gets to razor and it'll be, oh God, really? I have two. I have one that's 20 and one that's 13. And uh, I am truly honored to have a wife named Michael. We do pastor in downtown San Francisco. If you're familiar with the city, we can see Transamerica Tower from our building and our apartment. So we were about as close. If you pin dot San Francisco, you can't get more of San Francisco than we are. And uh, originally I'm from Louisiana by way of Dallas. Now San Francisco. I don't know how that works. I can't chart it myself, so don't try figuring that out. Except that maybe I'm just crazy to follow what God says. And so we just found ourselves in the middle. I've never been, ever been afraid to make bold moves for God. Um, when I was young, we made bold moves. We moved to the city from a small town, Louisiana. Always pursuing more of what God might have. And uh, that's what we're doing here. And to see this church continue to grow, what a deal. And then you guys are doing something. I've been trying to get out of the church box for years, and I see you guys are making it cool to be back in the box. So well done. That was amazing. I'm like, okay, I want back in. I'm just trying to get out. Now I want back in all of a sudden. I'm right, amazing. And uh, so I'm stealing that, just so you know. You'll steal that. And I will give you credit once. And then going forward, it's my idea. <laughs> so if you guys see that on social media, you're like, that's a great idea, Jeff. No idea where you got it, but that's a great idea. And so, because uh, all of our lighthousers, we have not, we've gathered once uh, since February of 2020. And so that has been a very big challenge. We've lost 70% of our church has moved out of the city permanently. And uh, we were a much larger church before the pandemic, but we will be a much better church and a much larger church after the pandemic. And uh, God's going to get us through it. <laughs> and uh, when you can't chart God, and when you can't track God, you just don't have to trust him, you know what I mean? And so I don't track it right now. I can't understand all the dynamics of what's happened. Um, but I know that we're right where God wants us to be at this very moment in time, and he makes all things clear in his time. Amen? All right, the book of First Kings chapter 1. By the way, this worship team is unbelievable. You guys are amazing. Goodness. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. To our Lighthouse family, if you ever see this, I love you, and I'm honored to serve and lead in that beautiful city, and we'll see what God has for us. Book of 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5, uh, the Bible says, now listen, I'm reading to you in the King James Version, okay? That's just, I, it's just fun to read it that, because it's challenging. So I'm going to say some words that you have to have, like a PhD <laughs> to even pronounce, and so... If I jack it up, you'll know I don't have one. So have grace. 
book of 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5. Then Adoniah, the son of Haggath, exalted himself. Everyone say himself. himself. Saying, I will be king. And he prepared him. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. This is, the, this is like the first reference of like, this is, when, this is the beginning of like social media. All right? This is like, it's not, there's not much here, but I'm going to make you think there's a lot here. So we'll get a lot of men out in front of me. Um, and I'm king. And his father had not displeased him at any time, saying, why have you done this? And he also went, was a very goodly man. His mother bare him after Absalom. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and with Abiathar, the priest. And they, following Adonai, helped him. You will always, just because people are following somebody does not mean they should be followed. And they just, just because some people are being followed does not mean they should be followed. I mean, just because someone's got a little group tagged along behind them does not mean that they are anointed of God for a place. Um, in this era, you can get a group. You can get a little crowd. You can buy followers. It's true. I made a mistake on Twitter a few years ago. I didn't know this at the time. I was trying to figure out how to grow my followership because that's what you're supposed to do now, right, to be a social media pastor. So I'm going to grow my followership. And someone convinced me to sign up for this subscription service that would get me more followers, which I didn't understand this at all. This is when Twitter was new, okay? So forgive me now. Early days of Twitter, early adopter right here. I went to bed with no followers, woke up with like 5,000. I was like, that was amazing. How did that work? And it just cost me $25. It was beautiful. So you can buy followers, <laughs> as it turns out. And so that's what Adonai was doing. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and they followed Adoniah. But Zadok, the priest, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan, the prophet. Let's look at that. And Zadok, the priest, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan, the prophet, and Shimei, and Rei, and the mighty men which belonged to David. They were not with Adoniah. That's important. And Adoniah slew sheep and oxen and fat cattle by the stone of Zeholoth, which is by Enrogel, and called all of his brethren the king's sons, and all the men of Judah the king's servants, but Nathan the prophet, this is a little, just in case you missed it the first time, right? But Nathan the prophet and Benaiah and the mighty men and Solomon his brother, he didn't, he didn't call them. They weren't invited. Wherefore, Nathan has spoken to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Hast thou not heard that Adonai, the son of Haggath, doth reign? And David our Lord knoweth it not. Now therefore, come, let me, I pray thee, give thee counsel that thou mayest save thine own life and the life of thy son Solomon. Go and get thee unto King David and say unto him, Didst not thou, my lord, O king, swear unto thine handmaid, saying that surely Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne? Why then doth Adonai reign? It's just a beautiful question. Interesting. This idea of self-promotion, it's, it's become the sort of the word of the day, hasn't it? Promotion. Self-promotion. Promotion is an interesting thing, but it's a, it's a struggle. And there's a struggle in the earth now for authority. And this, this was the earliest form to me of, like, um, bad headlines. There were actually headlines. You know this in history? There were actually headlines that said that, for all of you history buffs, that Dewey beat Truman. That, that didn't happen. But there was a headline. There was a headline that said, no lives have been lost on the Titanic. We, no, we, that did not happen. People People died. Um, you guys just know that fake is not new. This is old. Fake's been around for a long time. 
Fake has been around. I had a fake cell phone one time. You guys remember your first cell phone? I remember my first cell phone. I may have had all the phones. When I get to your phone, just say amen. Bag phones. Yeah, that's just me. Amen. Yeah, that's old. You know that's old, right? Uh, razor. Yeah, come on. You're like, that's me. Yeah, the real razor. Blackberry. Like, is that a fruit? That's a fruit. That's a fruit. Yeah. Remember those phones? Palm Pilots. Do you remember those? I can. Ne- I mean, I remember my first Palm Pilot, and then it was like magic when the Palm Pilot, they, they, like they synced it up with like Outlook on your, and you could like have all of your calendar on your phone. I was like, amazing. iPhone. And what? Android. The courageous ones. We are Android. <laughs> I had a fake phone, though, because I couldn't afford a real phone early on, so I had a fake one. Uh, you actually literally, I could buy a phone that I literally glued to my console in my car. So when all the really cool people would walk by my car, they'd go, Hennigan's got a phone? How's, how's Hennigan have a phone? You know, it didn't work very long. It, it, it played out eventually. But fake has been around for a minute. It's been around. That's why you, Oscar Wilde said that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. Because you can always know that when something is successful, there will always be imitations. Michael and I had this uh, parakeet. Well, it was a parakeet. It was a parrot. A double yellow-headed, hell, double hello, double hell, no, you know, that too. Double yellow-headed Amazon. Got it out. Hallelujah. It's glossolalia right there. Um, we had a double yellow-headed Amazon parrot that we taught to, to speak. And I was working in the attic one day and trying to pull things out. And I kept hearing my wife from the, from the bottom of the house say, Jeff. And I, would just, I was frustrated. I was like, really? You know I'm in the attic. You know I can't get out. And you're going to hit your head. So you, you, know, you work your way out of the attic. And you're like, yes, what do you need, honey? <laughs> <laughs> Always say honey. It's, it helps. And, and she was like, didn't answer. I was like, that's ridiculous. Typical, but ridiculous. I love you. I love you, Michael. I go back to the attic. I start working through the whole thing again. I hear the same voice from the, from, the, from the house. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. And I'm like, you are kidding me. So I get back out. I walk outside. And I'm like, Michael, what do you need? I am in the attic. And it dawns on me. It's the parrot. Because you can... Creation can mimic authenticity. You, you can mimic things. Things that, in fact, it's true. Now, I don't know if you know this, but like the, the ornithologist, ornithologist in the house, get ornithologist? No, not many, okay. Ornithologists who study birds have helped us understand that now ornithologists in like uh, rural areas, they now can mimic chainsaws. They can mimic sirens. For those of you who are from the south, it's sirene. Sirens in cities now, there are known, known bird populations that can imitate the sounds of cell phones ringing. How annoying would that be? You can always mimic authentic. What is that? Christ is authentic. Antichrist is the, is the converse, the, the adverse, the opposite. What is antichrist? Christ versus antichrist. Antichrist, in its very essence, is this Luciferian attempt to make the small, our ego, become like God, to control creation, 
according to its own desires. It's whatever I want is what God wants or I become my own God. That's antichrist. Does that make sense? To make it a little more tangible, Paul says later in the New Testament, he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's interesting. So that Christ in us is hope. Did you get that? Christ in me is hope. That means that you should be careful of people that are always dashing your hope. That is the spirit of antichrist. Because the hope in us can't help but manifest itself by our words, by our actions, by what we do, by how we encourage each other. And every time you get around somebody and all they do is just like, well, I don't know about that, and kick, kick, dig, dig. I don't, you can't really believe, can't believe everything, you see, so you can't believe anything, you see. It's this antichrist spirit. So if antichrist, is, it's, it's the removal of hope. It's a removal of hope. That, this, this is what, this antichrist spirit is what we are experiencing in the text I read to you. This antichrist spirit, this, this desire for self-promotion of looking for authority. Authority is directed and determined by leadership in every part of society. Those whom we follow and those whom we elevate to lead us. We are, we are to be as followers of Jesus, not promotion seekers, but God exalters. Because God raises up and God puts down. If you see someone in a position in your life, trust me, more than likely, God put them there even if you don't like it. You're like, you mean that boss that's terrible? God put them there? Sorry. God raises up and God takes down. God raises up kings and God takes down kings. Does that make sense? God does the promoting. Elisha was in a field plowing. David was tending sheep. Moses was on the backside of a desert. Samuel was serving in Eli's house. But God had a plan to move them to a different level. And every generation will have these moments where of transition where we're trying to figure out how do we get from this level to that level. And I've heard it said my entire life, with every level there's a new devil. And every time you begin to find yourself in the transition to move from one place in the spirit to the next place in the spirit, you'll begin to feel the shuddering of transition. It gets difficult. It's, all, it's never easy. If someone tells you transitions are easy, they have never transitioned. Transitions. Can I just, transitions are hell. And every time I start feeling, Pastor Landon, that, that thing in my spirit, that transition happening, I'm like, get ready, get ready, because God raises up and God puts down, and my job is to be plowing in a field or tending sheep or on the backside of a desert or serving in the house, and wherever I'm at, God just has a way of pulling you out. I, had, I, had, I was pastoring a church in, in Dallas, Texas area, and I resigned that church. I was frustrated with people. No, you, not, not nobody like you guys. You guys are like awesome, but other kinds of people. <laughs> and I resigned that church running for the hills. I'm like, these people are about to kill me. I've got to go. My wife and I moved to, to Louisiana. She was like, I'm going to get a nursing program. I'm like, I'm going to work for the, I got a job in the mayor's office in New Orleans. I was going to work for that mayor. 
help him become governor of Louisiana. I had an office overlooking the Superdome. I was a happy man. And out of nowhere, a pastor that I met one time in my life called me and said, hey, Jeff, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm sitting here in my office by the Superdome, overlooking the Superdome. I am good. Life is good. I am happy. Well, how can I help you? Hey, would you come visit with me? I want to talk to you about something. And as God is my witness, I turned, shut the phone down. I sat down in that chair. I turned around and knelt in that chair. And I said, dear God, I'm about to go work for that man. I don't know him, but I know he just called me to come work for him. This is not what I planned. I drive to visit with that man. And long story short, he did do that. And that happened. And I worked for him for seven years. And it was a beautiful thing. Here's what I'm telling you. You can be in the backside. I was running from God. I didn't want to serve nobody. I was raised in the church. I was raised in the church. I was a church kid. Like, I grew up asleep in church. (laughs) I grew up eating the communion wafers after service in church. Like, you know, God doesn't kill you for that. Just so you know, in case your theology is all jacked up, that you should eat it, use it. It's not that, it's not a big deal. I mean, I'm a church kid. That's what I did. I, but I was so hurt. I was so broken. I was so done. I was so disillusioned. I was so weary. I was so tired. And I was like, God, I'll do anything for you. I'll even do politics for you. I since learned that was a crazy thing to say. But here's what I'm telling you. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you might be Eli in a field. You might be Elisha in a field, David tending sheep. You might be Moses that's serving on the backside of a desert. You might be Eli in the house. Wherever you are, when God is ready to move you to another level, you will have no doubts. It will never be unclear when God is ready to move you. And we're curious, but we're a curious sort of people, right? We're curious people. We're all a little bit special. I heard someone say we're all a little bit pitiful, right? We're doing about as good as we can be expected to do given our condition. <laughs> we're very curious about what is to come. We're always concerned about, well, what was and, and what is and what is to come. And, but, but Jesus said of himself, I am Alpha Omega. I am the beginning. I'm the end. I am that which is and which was and is to come. I am that. If you want to know what was, what is, and what will be, You should fall head over heels in love with Jesus because he is the past, he is the present, and he is the future. While one generation is passes, another is struggling to rise up. And there is this struggle for kingship in this story, for kingship of the next generation. Listen, the next Elon Musk is probably sitting at a Starbucks in Flagstaff right now. The next Rosa Parks could be in this room right now. The leaders of tomorrow are here now in the building. They never show up late. They never get there early. They always get there right on time. Samuel is already in Eli's house. Elijah is already plowing the field. Are you understanding what I'm saying now? David said, one generation shall praise thy works unto the next generation. There is an unbroken flow of worship and anointing from one generation to the next generation. And I spoke a word to Landon yesterday. I said, listen, guys, here's what I think. I know you're a bridge to northern Arizona. You're a bridge to prisons. You're a bridge to the lost. You're a bridge to everybody. But you're also a bridge to generations. In this house, one generation shall praise thy works unto another generation. There will be an unbroken flow of worship and anointing from one generation to another generation. But it's in those moments of transition. It's always true. In transitional moments, there's always room for an imposter to step in. Always. 
If you have a cat, you get this principle. You open a door, a cat will always come in or go out. Even if it's not your cat. You open a door, cat goes in, cat goes out. In my neighborhood, in Dallas where I lived, I'd open my door, somebody else's cat would come in. It's crazy. If you crack a door, I'm telling you, a cat's like, I'm in. I don't know how they do it, but cats understand transition better than we do. Anytime there's a transition, there's an opportunity for an imposter to come in to the house. Always. Always. David has pronounced that Solomon will be king. Did you hear that? David has said, Solomon will be king. But before David can pass and Solomon can rise, Adoniah steps in and says, I think I'm the guy. I think it's me. Y'all like me? Here's 50 men in front of you. Here's all my people telling all y'all how good I am. I'm the man. My social media is better than your social media, right? I'm better than you. I am the guy. But before that moment can pass, it's amazing. Imposters always find a way to stick their foot in the door. There is a window of opportunity for imposters and transitions. I believe we are in the midst of, hear me, as a church, and hear me, I'm speaking to you and those who watch and those from our own community who will watch. We are in the middle of a cultural transition in America and the world. We have not been here before. And anybody who says, well, it was just like this 40 years, nope, we're in a different place, in a different season. This is a brand new day. We're in a different season. And then this is the moment before one generation can pass and another one rises up, there's always a chance for in the middle. I believe that we're in the midst. There's something in the heart, though. Here's what I believe. That's why even yesterday, and I won't call names, but there are some people in this room that just meeting you yesterday, just seeing you. Just seeing your love for God. Just seeing that there is a generation of young and old who love God in Flagstaff is encouraging to me. I pastor in a very difficult city. It's like trying to take a plant and plant it in asphalt. Right? And watering it every day. And it's like, someday, somehow. I know that. But I have watched God bless this church in Flagstaff, Arizona. You guys aren't like the bastion of easy. This is not an easy city either. Did you hear me? I've, I've watched. I know. I hear the stories. This is not an easy place. But because God sent a man and God sent a woman and God brought some of you key people and put them around them, God is allowing there to be a generational church that will do incredible things for God in this city. I prophesy to you, there is a wave coming that is beyond what you can imagine or you can understand that you've not seen. And everything you've experienced up to now is only a taste of what God wants to do in Flagstaff in northern Arizona for this church. You're a bridge. You are a bridge. Hear me. You are a bridge. You're a br I'm going to keep saying it until you believe me. You're a bridge to the nations, you're a bridge to culture, and you're a bridge from one generation to another. There's a, listen, here's the deal. The enemy, the adversary, the antichrist, whatever you call it, the spirit of the age, I don't care what you call it. We just all know, we all recognize it, that there is something not, we're not in, we're not in Mayberry any longer. We've moved into a different season, and there's a wave coming. When a transition will sh shift. There's a lot of things that we should do more of. 
There's some things we should stop. And if you've been around the church long enough, you'll understand. There's just some things we shouldn't have ever done and things we need to stop doing and some things that we all know we should stop doing. But there are also some things that we should never stop doing. Like, that's why, like, I mean, I spent my whole life trying to figure out what's, why, I've, I've literally worked against religious boxes, and I, I'm using that as a metaphor. I get it. That's not a religious box. <laughs> it's just a box. I've worked hard. And we're in something different now. And the whole world's wondering. And I, I mean, I, I'm wondering, I, I wonder how the church will respond in this moment. As I pastor people who I'm wondering how we will respond in this moment. We are not in average times. We are in, we're in a transitional shift in culture, and we've got to figure out what we're going to do. Yes, there are some things that the church got wrong in history, but just because that's true does not mean the church got everything wrong in history. And stop throwing everything out because you don't agree with everything. Listen, just because... Just, here's the deal. I make terrible decisions as a father. But just because I make dumb decisions does not mean that I want my daughter to go, you know, you're just a terrible father. Let me get a new one. Such a bad dad. Bad dad. But there's something happening. The stuff I saw as a kid, dear God, I was raised in church situations where there should have been laws against that stuff. Really. I mean, craziness. I got so tired of seeing people come to the church and they would see that and they would go, no, <laughs> no way, I'm out. They're all, I get it. But there are some things that we ought not stop doing. There are some things that, that we've got to make sure that don't elevate them to sit in themselves into a position of authority in our lives. For, I'll just put this for an example. We don't really need to stop praying. Like I, I, I just, we really shouldn't stop fasting. That stuff still kind of works. Like, we are all not really just stop praying and fasting and worshiping and, and teaching the Word. We ought not stop those things. Like we really ought to not stop getting together in homes and loving each other. We ought not stop that. There's some things we ought to stop, but there's some things we ought to do more of. And I think we're in a season right now where we are facing a crisis of commitment. We're facing it in San Francisco. I don't know about you here. I can't pass. I don't know your story. You guys are perfect according to your pastor. So, I, listen, I, I get it. I'm just here to love, I'm just here to get, I'm learning from y'all, okay, y'all, the, y'all got it. But where I pastor, in my context, we are facing incredible difficulties in commitment. I'll call people for six months, hey, will I, will I see you? I mean, we've made this super easy over the last, I, I'm talking to you, Lighthouse, if you're watching, I'm talking to you. We've made this super easy over the last two years. Just log online, chat, huh? and I'm like, hey, hey, John. I hadn't seen you even online in like a year. We made it super easy now. We're, we're battling some things in San Francisco. We're battling some stuff. Back during the culture wars, I found myself in the middle of what I thought were riots, and I found myself in the middle of protests, and I found myself in the middle of all kinds of stuff. And I was like, wow, where did I land? How did I get here? We just get caught up in stuff, and things happen. You, look, you wake up and you go, where am I? What are we doing? And I look at the landscape and I go, well, the church, what will we do in this moment with this season that we have been given an opportunity to steward? What will we do with this moment? 
There is an imposter trying to rise up. There, there is an imposter trying to raise itself up and sit on the throne of our life. And I'll just name a few. There is doubt that's trying to rise up on the throne. There is disillusionment trying to rise up on the throne. It, listen, I'm going to tell you, I pastor in San Francisco where no, no, it takes me about four months for someone to even find out what I really do. I, I have a little financial business on the side. So I always tell people I'm a financial consultant. For the first six months I know them because if I ever tell them that I'm a pastor, it's like, <laughs> takes forever. It's hard. It's not easy. I don't know what God's going to do with that, but I know that God sent us there. And if he sent us there, it's like Esther. We have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And Flagstaff, you are here. And you didn't, nobody in this room is here by accident. You've all gotten here because God intended you to be here at this moment, at this moment, at this moment in history. You are here by design of God. And we have doubt and disillusionment and unbelief and mysticism and all kinds of things they're trying to take over the space that's reserved for what God has decreed. But I want to tell you the end of this story. Do you know how long that Adonai reigned on that throne? About a day. One day. I looked it up because I'm I'm not smart. I was like, well, how long is that? And I looked it up. It's the amount of time that it takes for the earth to rotate on its axis as it rotates around the sun. And it takes typically about 23 hours, just under 24 hours. I'm like, that's a day. Oh, I get it now. So you you mean all this hoopla and all this clamoring and all this mess and all this stuff. And and for those of you who are walking through much more difficult times, like you got a diagnosis this week, and you're like, well, how long will this last? About a day? But how, 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 when will this season be over? It'll be about a day. About a day? If you got a bad report this week, let me tell you how long that's going to stay on the throne. About, about a day. Solomon was put on the throne. You need to know that. That's what that did not, just so you know, that didn't stick. <laughs> you know, it didn't stick. Just because someone said, hey, I'm on the throne now. Unbelief, just because there's unbelief on the throne doesn't mean it's going to stay there. Paul said, I believe, help my unbelief. So somehow in that beautiful mixture of faith, there is belief and unbelief. It's okay. When my dad passed in 2010 of cancer, he died with me holding his legs, trying to figure out how I could hold him on this side of, of, of eternity. Not long after that, I resigned the church I was pastoring and moved to New Orleans. And now you know the backstory. I was done. I was tired of praying for something for six years that didn't go the way I thought it should go. Six years. And I knew it wasn't going to work out well the moment I started praying, Pastor Landon, and I kept hearing God. I started, I started referring to God as Father. And I was like, no, I have one of those. And it's not you. And when he died, I had a crisis of faith. And it took me a little while to work my way through that, where I believed and trusted God again, and I loved his people again. But do you know, when I look back on that, you know how long that really was? It's about a day. It's felt like so much longer when I'm in the middle of it. You ever been there where you're like, that feels like it's never going to end. 
And some of you have been caught in situations like that where you're like, this is never going to end. That guy, that woman, that situation, that employment, that employer, he's an idiot. I can't do this. How, it's driving me crazy. And when you get out of it, when you get past it, and you look back on it, you go, how long was that? That was just about a day. So I came to declare some people in northern Arizona today that whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, let me declare to you, it's about over. The day's about over. I know it's been tough. I know it's been difficult. I know you've been punched in the gut by life, but can I tell you that it's just about over. It's been about a day. And God's going to put what he promised to you on the throne of your life. Do you know what I call those situations? I call all those situations, unless I call them poser problems. They're just posers. Y'all have met posers? They always drive cars they can't afford, wear clothes they can't afford, get haircuts they shouldn't wear. I mean, all that stuff. They're just posers. And problems. That's what these are. These are posers. They were not put there by God, which means they cannot stay there. Because the promises of God are not no and amen. The promises of God are yes <laughs> Father, I pray right now. Would you stand across this house? Let me pray a blessing on you this morning. Father, I pray for every man, every woman, everyone in this house. I pray that no matter what has elevated itself to preeminence in their life, that what has elevated itself to the throne room of their life, that thing that's a poser, it's not real, it's not the promise, it's a mirage, it's not the miracle, it's not what God planned, it's, um, it's a poser. I speak right now that the day has come, this, the day has come, that that is coming down and the promise of God is being elevated and put back on the throne of your life. I speak life, I speak health, I speak abundance, I speak new job, I speak new opportunity, I speak healing in your life and healing in your marriage. That, that is not what God says about you. That marriage is not over. That is not over. Your kids are not lost. It is not over. There is more coming. The promises of God are for you. I declare this in the name of Jesus. Pastor Jeff. I want him to stay up here with me because we're going to pray for him in San Francisco and Lighthouse Church. As he was preaching, I, I could hear, you, you, can you feel what they're struck, what they're going through? And what kind of body of Christ would it be to say, man, I hope the Lord helps you. God bless you guys. <laughs> Number one, I, we're going to sow a seed in the Lighthouse. And we're, we're going to sow a financial seed to help you guys and bless you guys. And then number two, I want you to partner with them in prayer. Yeah. That we're gonna see, we're gonna see, we're gonna see that ministry thrive. We're gonna see them thrive in what the Lord is calling them to do, and God's gonna do it. Pastors Glenn and Bree, come in here, come, come lay hands on them. Jeff, come right here in the center. I want every you stretch your hands forward, and, and I want you to begin to pray with me. If you're online, stretch your hands, stretch your Hallelujah. faith towards them, and let's pray a blessing over Lighthouse, Pastors mm. Jeff and Michael Hennigan, and I want you to speak over San Francisco. Let's use our faith. Let's exercise our faith. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, that all that they've come through is not for nothing, but, Lord, all that they've fought through will now be a sign, Lord, to them of not their weakness, but your strength. The test wasn't meant to reveal where they are weak. The test was meant to reveal how strong they really are. 
and how powerful you really are in their life, how faithful, how good, how merciful. And Lord, I thank you, God, for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. This word is not just a word. This word is part of his testimony of, Lord, of an imposter that's tried to take the throne in his family, an imposter that tried to take the throne in his ministry and in his marriage and in his life. And Lord, he doesn't. He didn't just preach this. He's had to walk this. And Lord, you are on the throne in his life and in his ministry. And Lord, we pray right now, Lord, let the manifestation of God be made known. Let the church arise. Let the people of God arise. Let the imposter be removed. And let the authentic Christ be revealed in them and through them. And let San Francisco break into revival. Lord, I thank you that we're not going to pray against California anymore. God, we're going to pray for California. And I thank you, God, Lord, that someone. Something somewhere has changed some paradigms in people's mind of the way we view states and countries and nations and cities. I need to see them not as ownership of man, but I need to see them as principalities of God. And I thank you, God, Lord, that you own that territory. It's your hill. It's your cattle. It's your people. It's your place. And, Lord, I thank you, God, that whatever spirit lies there that thinks it's an authority, may it be removed. And remove the imposter right now. Remove that spirit right now and let Christ be exalted in that city, in that county, in that entire northern state of Arizona. Lord, I thank you, God. Bridge is not just an example for Flagstaff of winning northern Arizona. It, it, this is an example for other states to win northern California, to win other territories, to win other places. And Lord, we thank you, God, for what you have spoken today. And Lord, let this be a testimony to every family, every marriage, every kid, every single adult going through every season of life that they may be going through, and it will only be a day. And the imposter will be removed, the pain will fade, for joy comes in, in the morning. And I thank you, God, for fresh joy in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Oh, what a great Sunday. Uh, so thankful that you're here with us today and, and received the word. I would, whatever thing sat on your mind this week, know it needs to go. And now you can put the right things on the throne of your mind and your heart and your life. Right? Such a good word. For every great authentic place of success in your life, there's always going to be an imposter. And I love that God is authentic and bringing authenticity into your life. So what a great word. What a great time today. I hope you join us on Monday for Young Adults, Wednesday night for Midweek. Keep showing up. Why? Because you need to keep being filled. The enemy is never going to take a break coming after you. The imposter's never going to take a break and say, oh, let's just take it easy. No, no, he'll keep marching through your life as long as you let him. But every day you can saturate yourself, fill yourself, be transformed and conformed. You're going to grow and you're going to be healthy and strong. Amen. So we got all those wonderful things happen. Saturday men's RSVP goes out on uh, on Monday. Make sure you're doing that. Thane, raise your hand. If you want to be a part of that and volunteer or serve, bring dishes, all that kind of stuff, see Thane right after service. It's going to be an incredible time. And then, of course, Sunday is Father's Day. We got a gift for every dad. It's going to be incredible. And I'm excited, of course, right? And then uh, we're going to have a great time. We have a gift for every guy who comes in. And I have a special gift for our entire church. You know Hulu. You know Netflix. I'm going to introduce right now 
Down Media. It's a Christian platform that's for every we bought it as a church, and we're going to give it to every family. So your kids don't need to stream YouTube. They can stream Christian, good, wonderful, amazing content all the time. I'm telling you, it's going to be an awesome. Make sure you're here. Let's pack it out on Father's Day next Sunday. Plus, the word I've got, I'm just fired up, Jeff. It's called Every Warrior. And I can't wait to show you what every warrior needs to know. So be here next week. Let's speak this bridge declaration and be dismissed. I am a bridge builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. I will live out his gospel. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. Amen. God bless you, Bridge. We're so glad you joined us today. If you made a spiritual decision, whether that was dedicating your life to Christ or rededicating your life to Christ, send us an email at info at weirbridge.church and let us know you made that spiritual decision. Also, if you're joining our Bridge Church family online for the first time, we have a very special gift for you. Send us an email at info at wearebridge.church to share some information on where we can send you that gift. We're so glad you joined us today, and we can't wait to see you soon. Be sure to stay connected, because we're so much better. Together. together.